Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Sophie. Hello, my darling Jade. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm great because we are sitting here in your new potty pod. Guys, we've got an official studio on Jade's property. We're looking out at green green stuff. Look, at least we're looking out at sunshine. Our heart goes out to everyone who has been affected much more than us from all this rain. The most I've been affected is cabin fever and I'm over it. And in my driveway about an hour ago. Yeah, Jade has a massive pool in her front yard. (laughs) It's a river. It's a lake. Um, But yeah, you just mentioned one of my highs. I'm so excited about this pod. We created it, well, we got it set up with a company called Humpy Co and they pretty much install it in one day, set it up wherever you want. You can use it as an office space. You can use it as pretty much an extra room. You can have like an extra toilet if you wanted to. We just have it for purely a pod, an office area because we don't have that space in our house and it is so lovely to not have to travel and yeah we've just got our own little thing going on. I know it's going to start off as the podcast pod and very quickly it's going to be the mum's hiding spot to drink oh, wine spot. 100%. Where's mum? Oh there she is. Back in the wine pod. More mainly because it's the only place on here that has air con totally. and I don't deal with heat very well so I will literally This will be, be your bedroom so I know I know and the couch is literally underneath it's hilarious. Any other highs or lows for the week? Um, My high is Yumi turned two on the weekend, which was beautiful. She had the best day. Sadly, it was when the monsoon was pretty much hitting New South Wales and we sort of didn't really think about it and we went up to Corumban Sanctuary. Can I just say your commitment to going to (laughs) Corumban, (laughs) Corumban. We're in the pod. <laughs> Corumban Life. Wh- fuck. What if, you know, Corumban Wildlife Sanctuary. Is there Sanctuary. wine in your Yeti? <laughs> no, go on, try again. Your commitment to going to Corumban Wildlife Sanctuary was elite. It was. And when we went in, we paid for the family pass, which is not cheap. And we went on one train ride. He was pretty much, the train driver was like, yes, this has been very wet. It is very dangerous. It's quite slippery. Please stay as like still as you can on the plane, on the plane, on the train. I'm like, oh, okay. Yep. This is great. Got off. Absolutely torrential rain. Didn't stop. Had to get a, not a refund, but we're going to go back in a few weeks time. And we went home, poor kids had some pancakes from Macca's, went home and then Yumi played with her little kitchen that she got for her birthday for the rest of the day. But I sort of felt upset because I was like, I had this whole day planned of doing something really special with you and then we ended up just 
being at home and but anyway she loved it I love it I always giggle at places like that because you go in and you think you're getting such a great deal because like kids under five are free but we'll charge each parent about $75 and you're like oh it's hectic it's like I've seen this shit before you don't you're like to- I'm not here to watch Blinky Bill no, charge the kids and yeah. I'll take it off their college fund that's right <laughs> And what are your highs? My high was definitely over the weekend I went down to Melbourne for a hens and the hens was absolutely incredible, had so, so much fun. But the actual high of it all was my parents live in Melbourne, spending time with my parents, just me. When Ooh, I first got there, I, that for a while. I know they were disappointed that I came empty handed. First time in three years I've been bored on a plane. I didn't download enough podcasts. So I was sitting there like, oh, what do I do next? Like I'm not very good at just sitting still because I'm used to being like clambered on and getting snacks and getting drinks and wiping bums and I was sitting there and I was like this is the most beautiful blissed out boredom I have ever felt but yeah like they got over the disappointment I think pretty quickly because it was just so nice to spend time with them chat about life me not constantly scheming how I can leave the children with them and go and do other shit like it was just it was really really nice. Anyone out for lunch hung over with them it was so sweet. No that was another high of the weekend I exercised self-restraint at the hens it started at one and at nine o'clock I popped myself in an uber and went home eight solid hours but it was starting to really ramp up and I go I was so proud of myself I literally said my hangover from here is going to exponentially increase but I don't feel that the fun is going to well so that I, was very Dr Sophie of you I she think. doesn't come out much anymore but yeah. she did and my parents like I get shocking hangovers I do hangovers much the same as I do pregnancies mm. and that is with a lot of vomit yeah. and so oh. my parents when I jumped out of bed wait for it Farted. at eight. 30 a.m. I got impressive. a sleep in. It was just it's really something else. To wake up and there's already sunlight outside is quite something. But, yeah, I popped out of bed. What's everyone doing today? They're both looking at me like, who is this person and what did you do with our Sunday, Sophie? And you were fine. Fine. Went and got yumcha, was able to hold a conversation. <laughs> it was fabulous. Well, my inner doctor pretty much just says, no, keep going, have a really good time. <laughs> Your inner doctor doesn't exist, that's no, the issue. <laughs> no, but I do come home and I do have a trick. I take Hydrolyte and two Panadols and some water before I go to bed and then I wake up ready to roll. So good. That's such a lie. Yes. You wake up very hungover. Low of the week would be last night. Yes. Now we've both decided that something was in retrograde. We're blaming it on retrograde because we don't oh. want it to happen again tonight. So if someone tells me it was teeth, there's a high chance that could happen again tonight. So I'm not going to believe it. But last night, Goldie decided to wake up every hour from 10 till 3 the and then was awake from 3 till 4 and then I was like, maybe because she'll be so tired, I'll at least get a sleep in. Awake at 6.30. I was like, oh, anyway. No, I get it. And 
um, Yumi woke up at one o'clock and I was like, oh, okay, maybe she's just wet the bed or something. <laughs> just then, wet the bed. And she did. So I changed it. And then she still had an issue. And then I was like, oh, I'm so tired. I And I never bring her into the bed, but she kept on whinging on and off like for a whole hour, just mm. on, off, on, off. And I'm like, is there a mosquito in there? But there's a net. So no, it's not that. Anyway, by the end of it, I was like, you know what? You can roll around in the middle of our bed and just go to sleep eventually. And she did. She she rolled around, she touched Daddy and went, Dad, Dad, and he was snoring next to her. And then she sort of stroked my face and then fell asleep until, I guess, 6.30. But she woke up like, wow, where am I? She thought it was a yeah. real treat. So she's going to bed with no nappy? No, she went to bed with a nappy, but the nappy went up wedgie. Ah, okay. We had a little leakage. You okay. know, you know what how it is. So let's get into today's episode. We're pretty excited to launch this one because it is Ruby, with Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. Ruby. For those of you, I feel like most of the people would know who Ruby is. Mm-hmm. Ruby Tuesday Matthews. She is a single mum of Rocket and Mars. She has a big following on Instagram, is a model, a style icon. People seem to just love to have an opinion about her. I personally love her, have met her in real life. She is, well, in all my interactions has been completely lovely. And with such a large media following, it has also come with endless backlash and negativity, bullying and trolling. I guess the bigger you get in the social media realm, that's bound to happen. But before we start this episode, we would just like to make something clear. To those who find it necessary to voice their negative opinions of others on social media, when your fingers hit the keyboard and your warrior mask goes on, please remember that intentionally trying to hurt someone can cause distress, not only to their well-being, but those reading it. If you are frustrated or overwhelmed with a particular account, unfollow them or mute their profile and take a little break. I actually saw the greatest thing. Ruby actually posted it to her stories the other day. (laughs) And it it was about treat someone else's profile as you would their house. So you might walk into someone's house and sure, like you don't take your shoes off at your own house, but at this house, that's what they do. And you respect that. Or you may walk in and you don't like their couch, but you're probably not going to say to them, oh, I fucking hate your couch. That's fugly. Why'd you pick that one? You know, like there's a certain level of respect and there's a certain like different way that people do things. So treat it much the same. You walk out of someone's house, you pop your shoes back on and you go. You don't leave a shit in the toilet unflushed. You don't wipe your mouth on the curtain as you walk out. You just walk out. And I think everyone just needs to treat people's social media profiles like that, that it's not your space. You are, okay, you are allowed to have an opinion on it, but your opinion doesn't have to be voiced. Totally, I agree. But can you get your shoes off? the pot and keep them outside. And and flush the toilet. And fucking flush the toilet. We hope you enjoy. Hello, Ruby. Thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Bump today. Before we get started, are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? So I am a single mum of two small boys. I've been a single mum for about three years. We've got uh, little Mars, who's three and a half, and Rocky, who's five and a half, just started school. And we live in Byron. I'm born and bred here. And 
that's about it for me right now. Amazing. We asked our followers to send in questions for you and there were so many questions about the world of single mumdom and co-parenting, but we'll get to them later and kind of start at the start of the mum journey for you. How did your journey to becoming a mother begin? By having sex, let me guess. So I felt preggy that happened actually and because the boys are literally born seven days apart, they actually had the same due date. It was our birthday sex for my ex-partner, which no one should ever do. (laughs) (laughs) He got it once a year and this is what happened. (laughs) Pretty much. No, uh, I was a very young mum, so I fell pregnant when I was 21 and I was with someone who was a bit older than me and it was a planned kind of thing. I thought that was my forever kind of deal, which at 21 I don't really think you understand what your forever deal is and you, your brain actually hasn't developed something I've now coming into, you know, my late 20s. I kind of just think my brain might be semi-developed. I don't know. I'm trying to get there, but I still look at things that I do now. I'm like, what the hell did you just do or say that for, you idiot? I think that happens But maybe that's just part of being human as Mm. well. So, yeah, I had Rocky pretty young and then my partner at the time travelled away a lot for work. So it was almost like even though I had that financial support, it really, I really did do a lot of that parenting and raising a small boy on my own because my ex had to travel quite extensively for work to support our family. Mm. And then we just, well, actually, no, we, I don't think we decided, but Mars happened. And that's kind of how the family evolved from one to two. And with that travel, I think things just got really hard for me and and my partner at the time I can't speak for him obviously he has his own ways and events and how things ebbs and flows of how things happened but basically we came to a decision that we would no longer be together and we both went our separate ways. And how are your pregnancies? So my first pregnancy with Rocket really I think that's where I transitioned into having an Instagram kind of following and a voice because everyone at the time I saw on social media, this is, you know, six and a half years ago, was just going like, oh, cradling my bump. Oh, my God, this is wonderful. And even though with that pregnancy, it really wasn't a hard pregnancy. I look back on it because I did have a hard pregnancy with Mars. But it was a really easy pregnancy. I was really young. Everything went to plan. You know, there was nothing wrong with, you know, basically how I was carrying. Everything was going to plan. But I hated it. I didn't enjoy the change of my body. I felt bad for feeling un, not ungrateful, but for not liking it. So I had this guilt for being like, why don't I like this? Why am I walking around feeling like this glowing butterfly of like unicornness? Mm. And I just was like, I, I feel like shit on the inside, but everything looks okay on the outside. And then obviously I had Rocky and I remember the day I had him and I was like, oh my God, I feel 20 times better. It was like this big release where for Mars, my pregnancy was actually quite traumatic. I went into my waters broke at 15 weeks, Oh wow! um, which is like unheard of, you know, if you keep going through to full term like I did. So my waters broke at 15 weeks and I was on bed rest in John Flynn Hospital for three weeks. Couldn't move every day. They were like, it doesn't have any amniotic fluid. The baby's not going to survive. 
And it's really weird looking back on it. I had such a hard pregnancy. I had the worst morning sickness, which I didn't have with Rocky. So I was horribly ill with a one-year-old on my hip, vomiting every day. And then that had happened from just stress, I think. My waters had broken. I was in hospital. I was separated from Rocky, which meant that because I was still breastfeeding, I was pregnant and still Mm, breastfeeding. Wow. That I like naturally weaned Rocky, which took a lot of stress off me, I think. But I had this really, really, really hard pregnancy with Mars where I wasn't meant to do too much, which is impossible when your partner travels so extensively for work and And you've still got to carry... Yeah, and I had to go to a lot more scans to make sure everything was happening. But basically what happened with Mars was that my membranes resealed and my body started creating more amniotic fluid, which is they were like, he is truly a miracle baby. So I had Mars. I actually thoroughly enjoyed that pregnancy. I felt great. I had that obviously a different hormone hit, you know, But then when I had Mars, it was about, I think it was maybe like three weeks old, four weeks old, and I started suffering. And I didn't know at the time what it was, but I had severe postnatal anxiety Mm. and depression. So what duration did Mars come at 30, well, full term? I had him at 30, I think it was 38 weeks or 39 weeks, yeah. And it was a cesarean plan Caesar because I had a blood clot growing alongside him that they also had to remove. It was like 13 centimetres long. And that was the thing that had ruptured in my uterus, which had caused my waters to break. Wow. So it was just like another little thing growing alongside him and it would just really agitate my uterus all the time. So I had cramps pretty much my whole pregnancy and yeah. But no wonder you have postnatal anxiety because you would be thinking throughout that whole pregnancy from 15 weeks, like that's a long time to wait until you're giving birth and to have that mentality going, what if the whole way through is is anxiety? I don't know if it was because I was so young or because I actually wasn't that in tune with my body to tell you the truth. I coped quite well through my pregnancy I think we forget so often we just go so hard that we push a lot of stuff to the back of our mind and it's not till we have like a big release like we do have the baby or something happens that everything catches up. You know what I mean? I I see that I had a girlfriend who had a very premature baby and it wasn't until that baby's home and everything's now okay that everything caught back up with her. You know what I mean? I think we forget that because we're just so used to powering through so much but I I remember for me my anxiety was so physical to the point where I didn't believe it was anxiety at all like I would be sitting in bed because I had you know a just turned two-year-old and a newborn because I co-slept with Rocket and I'd wake up and it would happen at the same time every night where it was like this feeling of ice cold water running through the top of my head and I was going, my dad's going, I think you could be having a brain aneurysm. They like run in our family and I'm going, oh my God. And then I'd lose like feelings through my arms and not just like, like that feeling like physical you sensations. you were having a heart attack. That's what I think it would feel like. Yeah, major physical sensations. It wasn't like I couldn't go out and speak to people or I had trouble going to the shops, you know, it was like my body was literally going like, no, 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 you can't do this. And then that's what would bring on the panic Mm. in that sense because then I would start to panic. I'd be like, I'm at home with two kids by myself. Am I going to die? 
and then who's going to like come, who's going to find the kids are going to be like Rocket's going to be running around the house. No one will know that I'm dead. Mm. That's what I would like think about all the time. And what was the turning point for you to realise that maybe it was anxiety and not, you know, an issue like a brain aneurysm or a heart attack or something like that? Well, I went to the doctors and because it was so physical, I went through and I got MRIs. Yeah. I did every test under the sun and then eventually it was one doctor that just went you know like I I stopped sleeping at this stage by this stage I wouldn't sleep anymore like I'd sleep a maximum I reckon of two hours a night because I'd be like the baby's gonna wake up I don't want them to wake up rocky and I would just like not sleep and then finally a doctor said like okay you're not sleeping and now you're getting like like if I don't sleep I really crack like it's that's like kind of like the biggest part the tip of the thing you know where you finally get to the top and you're just like you stop sleeping when you get to a point of being so so stressed and I just said I'm not sleeping anymore like I need something to help me sleep and she goes I think you might have really bad anxiety and you and depression like because you're starting to feel really ang- I was feeling really angry at Rocket all the time which was such a horrible feeling for me to feel so angry at my child who was doing nothing wrong mm. and I said I feel so angry at him all the time because I'm not sleeping and she goes I think you might have anxiety and I go it's not anxiety it's so physical and she goes no I think you really might have anxiety how about you try this medication you take medication and you give it three weeks. And in three weeks, if it doesn't do anything, we start looking really deep. Like we go deeper and we look deeper again. Anyway, I've taken my medication, which is it's a hard thing to get put on medication. I had taken medication for depression when I was younger and it really didn't do anything for me. I think because that was so superficial, that stuff when you're younger. An antidepressant isn't going to stop a girl bullying you, Yeah, if that makes sense. But this was so deep. Like this was like a chemical imbalance within me. So when I took the medication, this time three weeks comes around and I am a different person, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, like this was a real thing and this is like a tool that I need to use right now to help me get through this part of my life. Sleep deprivation as well on top of anxiety is huge and nearly all mothers go through a certain part of sleep deprivation because the newborns are waking up, you know, every two hours. But being a single mother or having a partner who isn't there all the time and travels and you are consistently having to be awake, I mean, that on top of your mental health, how do you get on top without you know, sorting yourself out with a doctor and medication. And, you know, I know everyone does things differently, but it sounds like that got you on the road to a positive pathway to continue mothering. It gave me the mental strength because I didn't sleep train. And and I'm like each to their own. I've done co-sleeping and I've done sleep training. If you don't have the mental strength, which it's hard to do when you have sleep deprivation to sleep train a child Mm. it's next to impossible so that gave me the mental strength to be able to sleep train Mars so I like I still had rocket in the bed with me but I had a baby now that I could be able to sleep train that then gave me peace of mind that at least one of them is sleeping correctly is getting enough hours is being a happier child a happier baby because just like us 
children need to have a full sleep cycle to be, you know, nice little humans too. I think that's what's so hard to understand. If you have a child that really doesn't sleep well, it really does impact oh, their totally. mood and who they are like as a little person. Yeah, I think it's such a vicious cycle of being sleep deprived makes you feel anxious. Feeling anxious makes it more difficult to sleep. As you say, like all you want to do is sleep, but you don't have the ability when you're that tired to then sleep train and be awake for even a few minutes to wait for them to self-settle and then it just goes on and on and on and often once you know I've sleep trained both my kids and once you've done it you kind of think why didn't I do that earlier but you're too fucking tired to do it there's Mm. just there's just nothing in you that can do it completely you need the mental strength and for me that's what I really found saved me was having that medication as a tool and I'm not saying everyone go out and put yourself on medication so you can sleep train your children (laughs) but you really (laughs) but you you need to give yourself a week of like a hard yard you know but Mm. that's really honestly what saved me I think is training Mars and then also being on medication so I had the tool to do that and and obviously I was in a very dark place I think at that point in time my relationship was well and truly falling apart and that was also something that I hadn't even addressed or we hadn't addressed and it was really hard for me but that also gave me the tool to be think clear-minded and be able to put in place steps and think logically so I was able to address certain things in my life all around. It takes a lot of strength and courage to recognize that there is something going on and you need to address it because you do have little ones that are you know you're looking after so you need to go out and seek help, professional help, and get on top of everything because at the end of the day, you are raising tiny humans that need you. And in saying that, that gives you anxiety because you're like, fuck, it's not just me. It's now everyone else that needs me. So I have to be okay. Yeah, I think also, and this is nothing against the systems we have or doctors. I know there's amazing doctors out there, but I just have such frustration when it comes to Like when you find a good doctor, it's amazing. You've got a great doctor, but it can be really frustrating and disheartening when people don't hear what you're saying or you're going in trying to find this and they're just stuck on one other route. You know what I mean? It can be like you hit so many roadblocks and then you go see a therapist and you talk to them and you're just like, I fucking don't want to talk to you. You're like, like, I'm sorry. It's taken me years to find a therapist that I could talk to. Yeah. And you've been super open with that in the past, Jade, that it's like often it takes so long to get to speak to a psychologist and it can be so frustrating because you've got a trial and error a bit. But often by the time you've got to speaking to a psychologist, you just want help so badly that if you see one that you don't gel with, it can kind of be the point where people just stop. It's the most tiring thing saying your story over and over and over again. You're like, I don't need to explain this anymore. I'm at this point. I don't want to tell you the story again. But I, I don't want to start from the beginning. I'm here right now. <laughs> yeah, and I've already done a lot of work in here and to have to retell it to, you know, a few other people, it just, yeah, I can completely understand. You're like, can I just write it on my forehead and we can go can from Can you just record present. me in my other, my other um, what do you call it, sessions. appointment and then just read my that? My other 10 me. sessions that I've had and the one with the four with the doctors because you have to do the mental health plan like 20 fucking times. <laughs> now, you've been pretty open that before you got pregnant with Rocky, you were living quite a while 
old lifestyle. And I mean, you were 21 years old. That is so normal for a 21 year old. What was that transition like all of a sudden going from, you know, that quite stereotypical model world to all of a sudden, oh my God, I'm 21 and I'm pregnant slash I'm 21, 22 and have a baby. I think, and this is not what I would recommend if you are in a situation like this, and I can't stress this enough. Having a child is not an escape of what you're doing. It's not an easy way out. But for me, like I I was struggling a lot with where I was at. And looking back at it now, if I could kind of go back and do that again, I would have done things completely differently. I probably shouldn't have had a child. Okay. Obviously, everyone goes, I wouldn't take my kids back for the world. But if I could have pushed it back to where I am right now, 100%. I also think at that point in time, and it's not something that saved me. I can't stress this enough to any, I guess we have mothers on here. It's not young people listening really, but I don't want to ever convey the message that this was my easy way out. But having Rocky pushed me obviously to immediately stop that lifestyle that I was living, which was partying extensively, which was in that industry, it's so prevalent. The use of drugs, smoking. Most girls wake up after going to bed at one o'clock in the morning and the first meal you have of that day is literally a long black and a cigarette. And you sit out on the deck with your other friends because you're living in a share house or in like you're, you're crashing on your girlfriend who's another model, her lounge in Sydney because you've got a job and you go to, you know, you go to casting calls. And I didn't go to casting calls because I wasn't tall enough. But that's what the girls in the industry do. They all wake up, they have a cigarette. Now they probably have a jewel. <laughs> <laughs> and you just sat out on the balcony having a cigarette and... I, I was still shooting and working, but yeah. that's it. You'd have a cigarette or coffee. Sometimes if you had a really big night, people would have a line of rack in the morning to get them to work again or they'd end up having like rack on set at the end of the day. If it was a really fun shoot, everyone would knock off with drinks, things like that. That That is the industry. The, the higher you make it in the industry, the more acceptable it is to be like that. It's almost that kind of like rock and roll look of like how musicians you know get kind of shit faced before they go on stage and you hope they don't get that shit faced because then they won't be able to play you a song Mm -hmm. you know like there's definitely been people in the industry and even photographers as well like it's a broad spectrum of people within that industry I think the only ones with their heads screwed on are the makeup artists (laughs) (laughs) because like no one could be that shit based you know like yeah but it was really prevalent that that was the kind of lifestyle I was living was partying bumping in and out doing things like that and it was fun and it, and yeah I found out that I was pregnant with Rocky and obviously everything stopped and in this day and age you are considered a young mum did you feel disconnect with your old friends when you became a mother and how did you find oh, new completely. ones? I, I still feel it now like none of my girlfriends have children except for Ash who's an itch her children are a fair bit older they're in their, their teenagers now I had one friend who had a daughter and that was really great because we did hang out in that sense and that was probably the only time I've really felt like I was connected in that community of people who are mums, but still to this day, I really, I have like maybe two or three people that have children and that we catch up with, you know, but I I have my kids during the week. I don't get to have that fun on the weekend with my kids. You know, I don't get to like 
pack the beach bag and go to the beach with my kids. That's something that I find really hard as well because I just get the week grind. So that is that your arrangement that you have them for five days and then your ex has them on the weekends? Yeah. Oh, that so is at the moment, rough. That, yeah, so that's the arrangement at the moment because yeah. they go to school here. So And weekends party time. The weekends like where you get to go to the beach, where you get to like, you know, not really go to bed at 7 o'clock every fucking night, where you can go have, have ice cream because they can, at 12 o'clock because they can run around all day mm. and burn it off. So I like that's something that I personally, and I'm not that, this is what I've chosen as well because I want to give my kids the stability of, the home life like during the week I feel that I can do that and that's what I can do best at the moment but it also for me is I'm sure you see and people see and they think that I just go out and I have these big blast weekends but it's actually it's something that I find really hard for me because yeah I get to go enjoy a weekend but I also work on the weekends a lot because that's my time where I, Mars only goes to daycare, you know, a few days a week and then he's home with me like he is right now. Mm. But so I also work on the weekends. I fit my social time into the weekends, but then it's like I live this disconnected kind of two worlds in a sense where it's like it's hard to also attract someone who I can have a family with later on down the track because everyone just goes, oh, you can do this X, Y, and Z on the weekend. It's like, no, I kind of want that stability through my whole week where it's not me living a life where I'm, you know, a single person almost Mm. on the weekends and then a mum during the week. It's a really like weird battle I have in my head constantly. No, it's really interesting because even I, I have a partner at home, I have a husband and I go out, that's my time. Like I find that Monday to Friday I put my head down and I work my guts out in terms of making sure the washing's done, making sure everyone's okay, making sure everyone's looked after, making dinner, you know, all the shits and bits that we do as a mum. And then just because he is at home, I do have the luxury of going out on the weekends and sometimes I have a bit of mum guilt because I'm like, oh, well, they have been at school all week and then this is my time that I should probably spend, you know, the majority of time with them on the weekends but I also need time for myself away from my family to be to be myself and to have my own time and feel like I don't know I'd have that different side of me that's fun and I don't know just different no I completely agree and that's what's nice when you do have a partnership and I'm sure your partner has times as well where yeah. he goes, I'm going to go on a fishing trip. I'm going to do this. And Bloody oath he does. Time as a family unit where you do it all together. But it's just really, yeah, it's an odd thing when that, that is the routine of my whole life mm, at the moment. Yeah. Have you found doing that arrangement is also quite difficult now that Rocket's at school? Do you feel like that you miss out on like quality time with him because then on the weekend you don't get to be with him? Or is the afternoon more than enough? <laughs> no, I, I think because it is just me, mm. I and maybe it's just where I am right now and how large my workload is. I work full time, if not more, mm. you know, like I really do. I, I design at least seven capsule collections a year. Most designers only do four. So I'm doing, you know, a minimum of that on top of the other stuff and people I know people don't think what I do for a living is a job but it is well if you get paid for it it's a job yeah so the negotiating back and forward 
doing things like that and then coming home, having to do the shopping on my own with two kids, having to cook dinner at home with two kids while they're trying to rip each other's heads off. I just feel like where I currently am with the age that they are, where they need a lot of, like Mars needs a lot of attention. He's three and a half. You know, he needs help going to the toilet. I need to wipe his ass half the time because he's lazy. Like, or he's three and a half. I don't know. But like that is making me feel like I'm just the ball breaker all the time. I'm over feeling like the ball breaker. And I'm sure so many mums do, even if you have a partner at home, someone's got to generally play good cop and someone's got to be bad cop. And I am over being the fucking bad Mm. cop. Totally. And that's what I feel like being the, and I know that, you know, maybe for work arrangements and that kind of thing, it has to be the way that it is. But I think that would be the thing that would get to me also about doing the school thing is that you have to be the like ball breaker parent because you don't get to do that fun weekend stuff. As you said, you can, they can't be up till 9.30 and then head no, off to school the next like, day. Yeah, completely. I think it's partly that and then partly if you run your own business and this would work for anyone, whether they have a partner or not, you'd have that same guilt where you go, I'm not spending enough time with my kids because of that. So it's like I've got this weird cycle that I've found myself in at the moment, which is really hard for me to kind of wrap my head around where I just have constant guilt about everything. I feel guilty about working I feel guilty that when I pick rocket up from school but at the moment because I've still got to keep finishing Mm. off what I'm doing for that day mum guilt that I don't get yeah it's constant and it really is it's becoming like a big problem for me right now in my life on a positive note the way that I see mum guilt because I have mentioned that I used to get it when I'd look at Yumi in the revision mirror and feel bad that I wasn't looking or talking to her enough I probably shouldn't have been looking at her if I'm driving but anyway um I felt like oh, this is mum guilt. I felt mum guilt for so many different reasons, as you've mentioned. However, mum guilt is a sign of you caring and you are caring and because you're caring, you are feeling guilty because you want to do that, but you also have to do that. So, you know, there is a positive out of feeling those feelings. I completely agree and I know that and that's where I go. I know that I love and care for my kids, but I don't think my kids are really going to remember me caring when I'm not there. And that's like just me being completely real and honest. Mm-hmm. And that's where I go, yep, it is enough to care and it is enough to love and it is enough. But right now, I, even though I sit up till at least 12.30 every night continuing with work, you know, or continuing trying to do my tax or whatever the fuck it is or pay the bills that I haven't paid that day, it just at the moment for me, I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Like there's no balance for no. me right now. It's yeah. a lot of weight on your shoulders. Yeah, I think also just it's hard once you wind yourself up, whether you're a single mum or you've got a partner or whatever stage of life you're in. I think once you get yourself to a certain overworked stage, even if you're a stay-at-home mum and that's all you do, I did that. That is nuts. I just think once you get yourself to a certain overworked stage, it's hard to be present. Mm. When you do take that one hour to be with the kids, you're sitting there going like, oh, my God, this, you know, oh, my, you know, like it is really hard to bring yourself back and be present. And the only way I've been able to find that I can do that is if I literally remove myself from the house Mm -hmm. because I can't be in my house. If I'm in my house, I go, I need to do this, the washing's there, holy crap, dinner's not even on the oven. 
the only way I can bring myself back to being semi-present, and this is also what kills me, is that I'm finding it so hard to be present at the moment, is going to the beach or going to a park where I don't have any responsibility apart from the two children there. Mm. And a question came in, how do you juggle work and children as a single mother? In all honesty, and this is me being completely honest, I am at a certain point right now that I am so close to the edge, not like in a really deep, dark way, but I'm just at the edge where I can feel my body getting to the stage where it's just going to go no more, like stop. Like you can't do it. I don't think there is a right balance or a right way to do it. I do recommend writing yourself a list and working through your list and physically checking things off because you feel like you're getting through it. But at the same time, I think that there's such an expectation, not an expectation, it's such a great thing that there's so much empowerment and movement behind like you can be a working mum, you can do this and you can do it all. But it's actually when it comes down to it, it is ball breaking. Mm. Like it will push you to the edge. And like I often wonder like did, and I obviously didn't have kids to be a single mum. I had kids to have a family. And I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's to put food on the table and to give my kids an awesome life. But you get to a stage where you're like, oh, my God, is this what it was all cracked up to be? Really? Like right now with young children, I think. And this is what everyone tells me, that it will change the older they get. You know, it generally gets a little bit easier. Like you're not putting nappies on a child. But when you're in those young stages and you've got like Mars is being really sick, a sick kid you just get to a point where you're like, this is really freaking hard. And like, there's no right way to balance or juggle it. But apart from setting yourself goals and trying to complete those goals, even if it's half the list, I think. Mm. Oh, and also it's really yeah important to number one, set yourself goals and to create a routine for yourself. You have to have routine to make it work. Like for me personally, everyone goes, you're OCD clean. It's not that I'm OCD clean. It's the fact that I don't have time to let my house turn into a tip. It's just me. So I have to, if I make Mars lunch now, I clean up straight away after it's done and it's done. And also teaching your children how to help in a sense. Like Rocky knows as soon as he comes home, whether he's gone out and played and after dinner time, he takes his clothes off and he puts them in the washing machine every day. Good boy. Very good boy. Doesn't put the toilet seat down, but whatever. (laughs) I don't think they ever learned that, but you know. What care do your boys receive when you're working or at events? Generally, Mars will come with me to any events that I am allowed to bring him to. That's just my only option. I have a really hard time hiring people and trusting people. It's something that's just me. I don't like to have nannies, really. I have a few close family friends that I will call upon and pay. That hasn't actually happened in a really long time. Most of the time it would be my mum and I'll call my mum and I have to pay my mum to look after the children. And why I say I have to pay my mum to look after the children is my mum is also a single woman. She works. And for her to be able to look after the kids, Mm. if she has to take a shift off work, like she has bills to pay and I'm making money generally from going to these things. 
So I will then compensate my mum for taking that time off work. And do you think you find it hard trusting babysitters and nannies because you are quite a well-known person? Do you feel like you get funny that they're looking after the kids because they like follow you on Instagram or do you think it's unrelated to that? No, definitely. Um, I definitely get weird about letting certain people into my house. I've had my house broken into like three times now. Not the current one that I'm in, but my old house. But I've set it up now in a way that I do feel secure living in places. But I've always had a hard time letting anyone actually look after my children, even my girlfriends that go, I'll do it, I'll look after them. My nana called me when I was pregnant with Rocket and she is a really hard, like a hard egg. And she said, and I love my nana, but she said to me, I was pregnant, I'm 21, and she goes, just so you know, that baby that you're having is completely your sole responsibility and it's not your mother's responsibility basically. Like you're, you're to look after this baby and you alone. And that really, I think, even though it's a lot of pressure. I've spoken to my mum about this and like I had a big cry and whatever because it really like hit me because I don't ask for help. I never even asked my mum or dad for help the first year I had Rocket ever. Like I really didn't. I always did it by myself. And since I've had that chat with my mum, I, I feel more inclined to. Mm. But I think that really stuck with me really deeply and maybe that's why I have a hard time but yeah I think definitely trust issues and also I I always think that someone won't be able to do it as well as I can do it and they probably can't can't. do you know what I mean like I'll just be like I'll come back and it will be a shit fight and then half the time there's actually this amazing lady that I've used a few times and I I come back and they're all asleep and the house is spotless and I'm like I should have done this more yeah but it really is like this thing where I'm like it's not gonna work would you ever think of having an au pair? So I had one girl and she, where the hell was it? Oh, she lived with me and she was she was Swedish. And I, number one, I think when you are a family, it is so hard to live with someone else. Having that person in your space, even if it's in a separate studio, it's having someone in your space who hears your shit when you have a fight when you're breaking down and crying and they, and you feel like someone's there. Mm. It's like when you have a family, like an extended family member or not even that. It's like when you have a friend stay and that friend's there and you're going through a bit of shit with your husband mm. and they're there and you feel gross. You know, that feeling where you're like, you don't want them there. You know, it's like I need my space and you don't get that space. No, I totally feel you on that. And so that's why I was like, no, that's not working for me. And plus everyone lives so differently. And when you're a family and you create your routine, like if you are a family and you've been able to create a routine, that is such a big thing. Like I personally think such a healthy thing for a family to have is some sort of routine. Not everything goes to plan. I'm not saying we all get up and we do this, but some flow. Feels good. Yeah, it feels good when you've got that flow going. But when someone else comes in and they've got their own shit, it's just like you've hit like kind of a, uh, uh, Mm. you keep hitting this weird wall. Um, And then I also had one because I was like to my mom, I found another one and this is when I had separated from my ex. I found another one and she actually ended up living with my mom because I was like, she can't live with me. Yeah. (laughs) And how did that go? So she was really good actually. I, I, I just don't like being responsible for other people. Like I... It's funny that I have two kids. I don't like being responsible. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 
I'm already responsible for two children. I, I think it's just my own fault or maybe it's anxiety or maybe it's just being a mum where you've just, as much as I go, I like routine, sometimes there is no routine and you've got someone going like, so what do you want me to yeah. do? And you're like, I don't fucking know. No. So it's really weird. It's like personally, I think if you had a bigger fan, if I had a bigger family and I wanted to go and I had a partner and I was like, I want to go out and do this. It would work. And actually, that's when it probably did work its best is when I started dating my ex-boyfriend and I had her there. So I could be like, I'm going to go. You do that. Mm. And that's probably when I enjoyed having someone like that, you know, that gave me the break from the kids because I had the kids full time then and that I could go and hang out with my boyfriend and go and have dinner and then come home. Mm, yeah. And that's probably when it worked out. So I think if you're maybe if you're in a relationship and you want to spend that time with a partner, that works but when it's just you it talks. it's kind of like yeah it's a bit weird mm. and I'm not saying there was there was great parts to it too like I could go have a sauna which I don't do now you know what I mean yeah. so I could go hop in the sauna have a sauna and chill out it's great okay we have another question that came in what is your number one tip handling finance as a solo parent to be completely honest not that I am great at doing this but finding yourself a good accountant or someone that can help you go through your finances and go this is what you should be doing this is how much you can spend like spending a little bit more money using someone like that who can help you get get a plan together in that sense Mm. Um, because spending you know two hundred dollars sitting down with someone and going through that saves you a lot more money in the long run. I don't know what you're allowed to publicly say about your separation, so I don't want to just only answer what you're comfortable with. But I think that a lot of women, especially who have kids, they get to the point where they've made the decision that they're going to separate. What then happens? Like what do you logistically have to think about? Because I feel like people find themselves in this boat and then they're like, no one speaks about this. Like what do we do now? So... The difference between separating when you're single and separating when you've got kids is so massive and you don't really realise it. Someone's going to move out of the house. And so number one, even coming to that first decision of who moves out of the house, my biggest advice is when going through those different waves of emotions and there's going to be a lot of emotions is finding the calmest point to do it. And sometimes there's no calm points. I know people have gone through really heated breakups and it's really horrible, but finding the calmest point to kind of pull your lives apart. So when you've got that calm week, whether it's you finding the place or your partner finding a different place, you separate in that sense. It also really helps if you can do it going to a parent's house for a week with the children while you physically separate your belongings because that is a very distressing thing for a child to see is, you know, uh, literally a household being moved apart. So if you have that luxury of going to a friend's house or going somewhere else for the week that whoever's moving where or whatever's going on you know and then going back and making that place as comfortable as you can for those children even though it's a very big thing but making it an exciting experience you've got a new bedroom let's decorate it you can do this because it's finding those little things that you can you know make special again for that small child which is not a fun time But my biggest advice and something 
I tell anyone who comes to me when they go like, what's your advice? I want to leave my partner or my partner's left me. What's your biggest piece of advice? You might go, no, no, we've got it together. We've agreed on everything. He's going to have the kids this day. I'm going to have them this day. It's all good. It doesn't matter. Like if it's the easiest separation in the world, go get a written parenting plan. There's a free service called Interrelate you can use. Um, or you can pay a private, you know, mediator. But that is my biggest piece of advice. It doesn't matter if it's the most calm, amicable thing in the world. Go do it because then you never have this grey area when it comes to your children. It's written. It's down. It's good. And if you have a very tumultuous breakup, that's Mars wing in the back. I, know, I can just <laughs> see you like. <laughs> Good on him. Put the seat down, Mars. Yeah, put that seat down, boy. No, it's not even up. <laughs> That's <laughs> worrying. That's worrying. Be careful what you wish for. Um, I wish I had a boyfriend that used to pee sitting down, and that was the best thing ever. My husband loves a sit-down way. Yeah, but don't their balls touch the sink or something? Like, isn't it weird? No, how, how saggy are they balls, balls if they're touching the water? <laughs> I'm just visioning, like, even their penises, like, going down and, like, flicking up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Massive dick and the saggiest balls or the highest water level in your toilet ever. All right, it came out all wrong, you sickos. I'm going with giant dick and saggy balls just because I like her husband's look so All right. All right. (laughs) That'll be a quote. No, back to um. But, yeah, I think no matter how smooth failing your relationship looks like it's going, that is my biggest piece of advice is getting a written parenting plan that you both agree on. If you don't know what that is, you go in with a mediator, you talk to the mediator, you say these are my important things that I really want for my children, whether it's I want the kids during the week, I, you know, they can have visitations or whatever it is, you know, you, you go through the logistics then your uh, ex-partner goes in and they sit down and they say what's important to them too, whether it's I don't want the children, you know, staying with X, Y and Z. That's really important to me, you know, and, and then you go in together, you hash it out, it gets written down, you get almost like a contract looking thing, you both sign it. That is not legally binding unless you take it to a solicitor and you pay to make it legally binding, which you can also do good recommendation to make it legally binding if you're dealing with something that's quite nasty I'm not saying that that's me but I know a lot of people who have gone through really horrible things or they've had abusive relationships and that is really important for them to make this a legally binding thing so if you break it you have to go to court but that's probably my biggest biggest piece of advice when going through any type of separation but I think it's one of those things that no matter how good it's going it can turn bad at any time like anything you know like I would like to think that if my partner and I separated it would be amicable but I don't know how I would feel to then see him dating someone else so I could very easily turn extremely nasty nasty if I'm suddenly watching him date someone else or vice versa so I think that no matter how good it is, it can turn nasty anytime. But that was a question that came to you for with co-parenting. What is your opinion on children being around or your kids being around other women when they're with their dad? I'm going to turn this question back on me. Yep. So how 
how I think anyone would feel if it was me with another guy because I was the first person to have a relationship. And in all honesty, I would be gutted, you know, whoever's the first out of the bunch, you know, you'd you'd be gutted, number one, to kind of see if it was quite soon after as well, to see someone moving on, to see your children hanging out with another, you know, man or woman. It, it is very confronting. I think to the fairness of the children, and this is what I really think, separations can become so much about me, 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 me. You know what I mean? Like this person's being an asshole or this person's being great or this person started dating or whatever it is. It can become so quickly about just being self-absorbed and you that I think you constantly have to remind yourself that it's about the children. So if you're introducing a new partner and you've only been seeing that person for two months and all of a sudden they're in the house and they're around the kids all the time. I think that's quite detrimental to the children's mental health when that person, just like what happened to mum and dad, leaves if that is the case. You know what I mean? That's what I personally think. And that's when my ex-boyfriend and I, we were, we were seeing each other for two years. And I'm lucky enough that he is a lovely guy and he'll always be part of our lives. And he made such an effort when we broke up to still come see the children, to show a really healthy separation, to be a support to the boys, which does not always happen. That's like one in a million. Most of the time, you're that guy probably go, you're too hard basket. You've got two kids. See you later. And you've got two little boys going, oh, where's Sam gone? Like, where's Sam gone? I miss Sam. Like, da, 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 da. And that's really what I think is the unfair part is that they've got to go through all your breakups when you start dating and seeing people. So I think if you do choose to do that, and it is a hard one because you obviously want to see if your kids get along with someone when you start seeing them. You want to see if that person can handle your children by doing it in a really like really G-related fashion. Mm. I think you can also at times do that outside of the home as well because I think kids sometimes have such a, like their home is such a safe place for them and such an important place for them. So sometimes testing those waters can be on neutral ground where to them they don't really know the difference between A a friend to you. I completely agree with that. My children have literally, you know, I've only ever met two people I've dated ever and one was the person I was with for two years and the other was on neutral grounds in a park, mm. you know, like me and the kids have gone to the park and X, Y and Z's come up just like anyone in the park mm. comes up, you know, and says hello and we're just chatting and the kids run past and I go, oh, this is so-and-so and they're like, oh, that's nice to meet you blah, 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 and go back to playing. And it's not like this big, special, weird introduction that Mm. is in their sacred place because the home is like the safest place for your kid. And if you like take that away from them, then what else do they have? And do your boys ever get upset and ask for their dad, you know, during the week? How do you handle that when they want dad? Oh, okay. Like not all the time. Very occasionally, I think they really get it. Like Rocky really gets it now that because I have the constant routine of you're here these days and he knows when he's going to dad's now. But occasionally if I'm, you know, having to be bad cop and go, you're not doing that, he'll go, I want to go to daddy's house. It's only really normally in retaliation if he's in trouble. Yeah, which is pretty much every child. Like, I want daddy. It's like, good. 
Call him. Go and tell him how naughty you've been. <laughs> please, please. Um, but, yeah, you just have to really reiterate. You're going to see, you know, Daddy on Friday. It's three more sleeps and you get to see Daddy. That's really the only thing I can do I'm and comfort them as a child. But there's not much else you can do apart from that. But initially, we used to call each other when the kids would get upset. But I really don't think it is a good idea to do that because you enable the behaviour. Like, yes, it is completely fine that they feel upset and they miss dad and I'm here, I will give you a hug. But I feel like calling and really emphasising that daddy's all the way over there or mummy's there or even if it's nanny is actually more like kind of dramatises the situation in a sense and it, it teaches them not to be able to self-settle themselves in those situations, you know. But that's just my own personal thoughts on that. And I guess maybe emphasises that you in that moment are not enough to settle them. Completely, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's important to show that, you know, I know we're here, this is what we do when we're here. I know a lot of people who have a lot of like unlimited phone calls with daddy and things like that and they try, they think that's a real sense of being able to connect everyone together. But I think that actually makes it a lot harder on the children from what I can tell. Like that's what we did with Rocky and we don't do that with Mars at all now. And so Mars knows when he's here, he's here, you know, and vice versa. I think it's a lot easier on their little brains to just be in the present moment rather than being constantly giving daddy a good night call. I actually think that's one of my biggest tips is limiting the contact. Briefly back to big dicks and saggy balls. How do you find the time and energy to date? Oh, my God. Mainly the energy part. But also, do you want someone in your life right now while you're raising two little ones or do you want to wait? Or, like, what do you want, Ruby? Oh, I don't know. I just really need, like, no, I (laughs) but. I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> um, no, I I definitely date. I don't have an issue in that regard. It, it's kind of amazing that once you have children, how like you're like, no, this is what I want. This is what I need. And it's a real difference. Like obviously I can't really sleep around. Like I could physically sleep around. I'd love to, but uh, when... Uh, <laughs> 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 Shit. Ah, not really but yeah I'm semi-emotionally unavailable I had my heart you know my heart really was broken I really did think I met like you know the love of my life before but in saying that I don't have an issue going out and meeting people and going on a date it really does give you like a strong vision of what you want in a person once you've gone through something this big so there's no grey area. Like I think before when you get married and you have kids and you're like, oh, is he the one? Yes, he's the one. And then you have kids and you're like, well, is he the one? Like I'm seeing all these red, like, you know, uh, people I, I think, you know, have a baby and then they start going, oh, my God, is this the right person? But I really feel like if I was to ever have another child or to ever really settle down, it would 100% be the right thing. I think I've kind of fucked up that hard and not saying that I fucked up with my ex, but like for me, being where I am was not my idea of where I wanted to be. So I, I find dating actually a lot easier in that sense. I know that there's dates for fun, you know, now, like I, I'll go out to dinner, I'll bet you. 
Like I went out to dinner with this male model and I was like sitting there. I was like, oh my God, you're the biggest douche I've ever fucking met. <laughs> you just got to kind of be like, this is what it is. You're not my future husband. Yeah, I'm not going to reproduce with you, but I'm going to have fun while I'm with you. He probably didn't. He probably had like the hardest balls. He's like, <laughs> he looked like baby G. I was like, oh my God. But I just sat there and I was just like, oh, my God, why am I on this date? It's hilarious. So I just drank my own body weight and margaritas and laughed at this guy. Can you get Botox in your balls to make them not saggy? I actually think you can do something like that. Or maybe they get like a tuck. A wow. lift and a tuck. There's got to be something out there for them. I have never, ever thought about that question. You sicko. Well, it all, it all stemmed from I'll your your husband's you. balls dangling in the toilet water. Look, I'm pure. I don't know what you guys are talking about. How do you decide how much of your boys to share on social media considering you have such a big following and a very opinionated following? Uh, with Rocket, I've decided to definitely take a step back and that's only – on the fact that I have to interact with a lot more mums, I guess, at school who then create their own opinions about Rocket and who, I, I guess, if they think their children should play with my child, which I think is, like, really sad, but it's definitely something that I can see happening. Um, people judge me and then they instantly now will judge my child and I maybe yeah he won't get invited to birthday parties well he doesn't get invited to some birthday parties and I know solely on the fact because I see the fucking side eyes in the car park that it's because of me and I I get that I'm not everyone's cup of tea you know I'm not asking to be but when people judge my child on decisions that I've made or things my belief systems I think that's so sad because he is his own person and he's probably actually 20 times better than I am (laughs) you know he's such a good little boy with such a kind heart so I've definitely pulled back from sharing do you ever feel like tapping out of social media but you can't because that's your main income completely I I enjoy the community that I have on there and sharing and bright I know for a fact that I've connected with a lot of great people and helped a lot of people through really hard times and I thrive off that But I definitely would love to pull back on a lot of things in social media just because I feel like I just need a break for myself. Um, But in saying that, I really do love connecting with people. I feel like I am to a degree I enjoyed before maybe a year and a half ago when I was quite comical and I could, you know, have a laugh. But I feel like the more your workload goes up, the less that you have time to share your real self half the time. And that's a bit of a hard thing to do, but I would definitely love to pull back in some regards when it comes to actually more so my paid posting. But at the moment, the price of living where we live is so ridiculous. I don't have a choice. I have to keep going forward and doing what I'm doing because my rent's absolutely ridiculous and I have bills to pay, school fees to pay, private health to pay. So I don't have that luxury at the moment to do that. We're going to go into your breasts, right into your breasts. We were going to talk about mastitis. We we're going to talk about a lot of other stuff. But realistically, people really just want to know about your breast job, mainly because they are mothers themselves that have had saggy boobs. They feel not confident. And they really wanted to know why you decided to get a boob lift post-babies and the, I guess, the process. Yeah, the process. 
Okay, so the real reason was is that I could actually deal with the sag. I literally was fine with the sag. It was my nipples that, no, I fuck you not, my nipples were like the size of like a big slice of salami. Oh. And like really soft. Can I, so like, like how big, like the big salami, not the mini salamis? No, not the mini. I'm talking like, like a dom. Like big, yeah, dom. Like the, the woolies. Yeah, woolies salami. salami. And I guess when your boobs shrink after breastfeeding and your nipples don't. So before breastfeeding, I had B-cup boobs, mm-hmm. right? Pretty small boobs. They fluctuated if I ever fluctuated in weight. but probably go up to a C. Then when I was pregnant, I was like, at least ease, at least. Like I, my Are boobs. Are you kidding? Was, no, my boobs were bigger than my head. Like I remember putting the baby's head on my breast and the nipple was bigger than Mars's face. Like I got the biggest, and my mum's, if you see my mum's boobs, they're still like that. Sorry, mum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I haven't seen them recently, but I'll keep a lookout. Yeah, last time I checked, no. yeah, you're right. No, the, she's got huge 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 boobs so and, and always has and I've said to mum I was like you should go get a breast lift after this like honestly like it changed my life for me it really was I felt so self-conscious I had become single I had nipples this big and I decided that I was going to go get a breast lift I didn't want implants because of all the implant illness related things and I think more and more people I know getting the implants that I made the right decision Every plastic surgeon will talk you into getting an implant. It makes their job easier. Mm. The only reason the surgeons will go get an implant and they'll really push you to get an implant is because it makes their work look better. Assist the lift. And I I probably would have walked out a hundred times happier if I had had an implant too because I would have gone, oh, my God, I got high perky little boobs. Mm. For me, I still have quite bottom heavy boobs. My nipples probably aren't the most perfect thing in the world. But I'm so much more comfortable, physically comfortable now than I was. It is a process if you've had two children and you've breastfed and you meet a certain type of requirement. So I, you can get a Medicare rebate. It's not much. So don't think you're going to go get thousands and thousands of dollars back. But if you reach a certain type of criteria, which it's the funniest test, they put a line under your boobs and they have to slap them down. I've heard of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And don't your nipples or something have to hang over a certain amount? Certain, yeah. So I met the requirements. Yeah, girl, yeah, girl. You get that rebate. What the fuck is going on? But it really... It really isn't that much. The recovery is I went in, the surgery took, I think, I'm going to say like an hour and a half, two hours, my surgery. And I walked out three hours after having it. Wow. So I literally walked out. Like it's, I think with surgery, it's your mindset most of the time, you know? So when you're, I went in and I was like, I'm going to be positive. I'd set up everything I could on the other end. So I was as most comfortable as I could be. And I went back to work two days after that. Like I did a makeup masterclass. Bad idea was so high off my head on endones. I was like, welcome to the masterclass. (laughs) I was going to say there's some things that you can do and there's other things that you should do. (laughs) Yeah, can do that because I'm a psychopath. But you shouldn't do that because your nipples are bleeding through your white top. (laughs) 
but it is something that I honestly, it changed my life and everyone who I've recommended to go do it after having kids and have done it themselves just goes, I cannot believe I waited that long. For me, not that I was ever overweight in any form of my life, but it meant that I was able to exercise. So I really felt my body change in that sense, like kick into its gear that it was it was pre-children, if that makes sense. When you've got boobs down to here and you're trying to walk and you're doing this, you don't understand once you've had them cut off how it is to just be like, it honestly changed everything for me. And, and not from like a aesthetical kind of point of view, you know, it, it was more so it really changed like my mental head game. Yeah. No, I've got a friend who had a breast reduction recently and said much the same thing. She's like, I finally feel the age that I am. And it, she's like, it wasn't for the yeah. aesthetics. It's just that functional side of things that I like my body just feels more more itself than ever. Yeah. It's really like right now, because obviously I've lost weight and I have very soft breast tissue I should realistically go in for a revision so my nipples would sit normally because right now they look like like sad faces kind of. <laughs> this is not going to help me on my dating scene but whatever. Yeah, but you can um, surely but, like that's when you can just pop a bra on and like, you know. I'll show you next time we're at Ray's, okay? Yeah, babe. <laughs> Let's lock that in. But, yeah, so basically I if you're thinking about it, I can't recommend it enough. I definitely think you should be done having children obviously. Amazing. And our last question to you, Ruby, is what are your plans and goals for the rest of 2021? Right now, I get myself in a bit of just uh, a more, I don't know, steady pace where it's not these super highs with the super lows because I really feel like I'm riding a roller coaster at the moment, just playing catch up all the time. Um, take more time off not to go stay like I know people think you just go stay in a fancy hotel but for me that really doesn't recharge me anymore to take more time and go camping and to really kind of just connect and switch off a little bit more and I think my goal this year which I don't know will happen but to buy a house amazing well we hope all your goals and your plans come true and well that sounds really really (laughs) grandma-ish thank you so much for joining us and answering all our questions today and thanks for being so patient marzi oh do you want to say something he just wants chips just chips now yeah okay fair enough i'm hungry let's all go go eat chips chips now too oh my god For anyone that can't see, both Mars's <laughs> legs are in the one <laughs> leg hole and he's got a weird butt tail. <laughs> oh, thank you so Thanks. much, Ruby. Appreciate your time. Thanks for catching up with me, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.